I don't know if you remember as a kid hearing phrases that seemed really absurd to you because you were thinking really concretely towards sort of the Amelia Bedelia syndrome of taking something really literally. I remember as a kid hearing this phrase that he just needs to put his money where his mouth is. Like, <laughs> that is so weird as a kid. Like, why would you put your money in your mouth? That there's, there's germs. There's, it's money, so what if you swallow it? What if like, you're going to ruin it? I think that type of phrase is actually something that we find meaning in today in a culture where we hear so many loud messages that often are hollow and empty, that we would like people to put their money, as it were, where their mouth is. And so there's something really compelling and fresh when people's deeds and words line up, because we're sometimes not, not even accustomed to that happening anymore. That's exactly what we see in the pages of the Scriptures, and we saw it in both readings, actually, the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus commissions the twelve, and He sends them out. What does He send them out to do? He sends them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Then in St. Luke's second volume, the, the Acts of the Apostles, where he kind of details the unfolding of the early church, we see that over and over and over again. Now, if we would have had a paper bulletin, which we're saving trees, and that's really good, and, but I would, I would give you four words that we see kind of like an outline in the beginning of the book of Acts. And those words would go something like sign, amazement, proclamation, and belief. And here's why I say that, and I'm going to use two different stories from the beginning of the book of Acts to sort of substantiate why I picked those words. The first story is the day of Pentecost. So the believers are gathered together. They're doing what Jesus said. They're praying like we're going to do tonight. And the Holy Spirit comes, and they're speaking in tongues, and this is new and different, and this spills out into the streets, and they're speaking in tongues, and what happens is all these people from different regions are hearing the mighty works of God proclaimed in their tongue, which is crazy to them because these are Galilean uneducated peasants. So there's, there's a sign, and then there's this amazement what is this? But it doesn't end there. It goes to this Holy Spirit-inspired proclamation where Peter gets up and says, hey, guys, these people aren't drunk as you might think. This is actually a fulfillment of the prophecy from Joel that the Holy Spirit will come. And then he launches into this whole sermon about Jesus, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, and the power that that brings over sin and death and disease and sickness. And then the last part, a whole bunch of people believe. 3,000 people that day believe. Then we go to the next chapter in Acts chapter 3, and we see the same thing all over again. We see the sign, which is Peter and John walking into the temple to pray at 3 in the afternoon at that, the assigned time. And they find this blind beggar, uh, sorry, not blind beggar, this is the lame beggar. There was a blind beggar. This is the lame one. And he was lame from birth, and he was over 40 years old, so he was there for a long time, and everyone knew who he was. Peter and John are walking by, and what does Peter do? 
He looks at him intently and he says, I'm sorry, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he grabs him by the hand and this man leaps and walks who hadn't walked in his whole life for more than 40 years. You could imagine that the people are amazed by this because they've all seen him. They know his history. And now another spirit-inspired explanation of what's happening, an interpretation from Peter. Think This isn't an act of piety on our part. This isn't something that we worked up and, and cooked up and tried to, tried to organize. This is actually a fulfillment of prophecy and, and Jesus coming to live, to die, to rise again, and gives this framework and context that now He has power over sin and death, and this is an example of that. And then what's, what happens at the end of that? It's followed again by belief. This time, 5,000 people, and that's just the men, not even women and children. So this is the backdrop to our text this morning, because after this particular sign of this man being healed, Peter and John are brought into the authorities. They're arrested and brought into the the court of the religious leaders, and they start asking them about this. They tell them to renounce Jesus, not, not to teach in this name anymore, and what's their response? We'll leave it up to you to decide if I should obey God or obey you. And then they say this really interesting line We can't help but speak of what we have seen and heard. There's this really important theme running through these pages of seeing and hearing. So they're released. They they get to go. They're kind of punished a little bit, nothing horrible. Don't speak in this name anymore. And they go, and they go to their friends, and what happens? They pray together. They come together and pray this prayer that was just read. What did they pray for? Let's read it together again. If you have your Bibles, it's Acts chapter 4. We're going to come in toward the end of the prayer in verse 29. Acts 4.29, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with all boldness. They're asking for those two again. Seeing and hearing. Proclaim the Word with boldness and the Lord stretching out His hand to heal as a tangible witness of the kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, but if I would have been brought before the rulers, I'm probably, and, and, then, and then I'm let go and I go to my friends, I might pray, but I'm probably praying for protection. I'm probably praying that the Lord would turn their hearts to Him, which those aren't bad prayers. But notice what they prayed for. They prayed for boldness that no matter what was going on, even in the face of it, to proclaim boldly the word of the Lord and that He would stretch forth His hand in signs and wonders. 
So what happened? The Holy Spirit came. The place was shaken. They did speak the word with all boldness. And then if we jump ahead to chapter 5, verse 12, we see the writer uh, Luke says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. In verse 14, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that, even, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So their prayer was answered, both of those prayers. They prayed for boldness to proclaim. That was answered. They prayed for signs and wonders by the hand of the Lord. That was answered. This was the theme running through the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. So we see this essential pairing, actually, of speaking and doing, of word and deed, of message and miracle, of sermon and sign. These things are not meant to be split apart, but often what we do is we've split them apart into two things that, well, I I really, proclaiming the word is so important, maybe not the signs so much, or we're going to seek after these signs, the word is not... We'll, we'll kind of pick a scripture to proof text the thing that we're seeing. But no, these are meant not to be separated. These are key aspects of faithful kingdom ministry in the New Testament. So what's a sign for? I think two main reasons, and one of them is kind of like, uh, I don't know if you went on vacation ever as a kid and saw signs on the road before you got to the place that were advertising for the place. I remember going to Wisconsin Dells to the water parks as a kid. And as you got closer and closer to the water park, you saw the billboards with these people having such a great time and they're going down the water slide and they're all wet and they've got big smiles on their face. What is it trying to tell us? That at the destination, these are the things that are going to characterize that. So when we're talking about signs of the kingdom, this gives us a window into eternity and what that will be like, the wholeness, the healing, the complete redemption and restoration of all things. No tears, no sicknesses, no pain. We get a window into that. But there's a second part that sometimes we miss, at least in some, uh, some spaces growing up where it was missed in my background, where this is actually also a foretaste now. It's not a someday out there, we're going to be swept away, fly away to glory where this will all be wonderful. That is true. But then also, it's kind of like, let's say if you had, you've never eaten a chocolate chip cookie before. That would be awful. It'd be terrible. But if you, if you hadn't it, but yet there's a picture of what that is, and you hear people talk about it, but yet you can't really, like, it looks good, and it looks like dough and warm, gooey chocolate chips. Sorry, we're coming off of a fast and I'm talking about cookies. <laughs> but we're like, oh, I, what, what is that like? What if you were in the kitchen when your mom or grandmother or uncle or whoever is the baker in the family, if they were making these chocolate chip cookies, and what if you scoop out just a spoonful of that dough and you get to taste that now? 
how wonderful that is, that in advance of the wonderful thing later, we get a foretaste now of what that is like. This is the second part of what signs are for. They're not only telling us, and this is good, they're telling us what it will be like, but now we get a taste of the kingdom, of healing, of restoration, physically, emotionally, relationally, God meeting us in the broken places. Eventually, we won't need the sign because we're there. Once you've gotten to the water park, you don't need the signs for the water park because you're like, wow, this is awesome. But until then, these, are, these aren't just optional things for us. When they become optional, our Christian faith becomes watered down. And, and I think that's why some people look at it and think, you do you, I'll do what I, what I want, because they haven't tasted the reality of what the kingdom is and can bring um, for them. So words, what about the words? They're important too. We don't throw the words away. They orient this whole thing. They tell us what the grand narrative is. They tell us who God is. They tell us how he's met us in the person of Jesus, how we're brought up into the very life of God through Jesus. They tell us where we fit in the story. It orients the whole thing. So these have to go together. In my past experience, what I've seen in some places is that when we focus on the word only to the neglect of God's working, it tends to become quite cognitive. And we think the gospel means knowing the right things and thinking the right things about God. Those are important. But when it becomes the only part of our Christian faith, it's weakened tremendously. When we focus on the deeds only, they're just kind of untethered and floating out in space. And so what I have seen happen, and this doesn't, that's not necessarily true of, of everyone's experience, but someone comes in or something comes in to fill the void in the explanation, and it becomes sometimes about a celebrity person or about focus on the, the signs and wonders man or in the absence of the narrative and the grounding, there's, we have to have some explanation, and so we end up weakening with personality and, and assigning value to things that it's not really kingdom value, it's our cultural values. So what we have is the word anchoring the deeds, and we have the deeds demonstrating and substantiating the word. It's very sacramental. We don't just think the things, but we, we experience them. God meets us in our humanity and in our experience in powerful ways. So when I was growing up, I was fortunate to have the experience of seeing the Lord move, and He moved in powerful ways. I saw people healed of cancer. I saw people come in with crutches and leave without them. Marriages that were broken apart, restored. We long for that, don't we? And it was such a gift to me because in later years, because I saw some excesses with that and it went too far one way, uh, I swung the complete opposite direction and totally rationalized my faith 
where I, I didn't think I needed that elementary school Christian experience anymore. Now I'm in the college-level Christian experience where we just think about things. But you know what I couldn't shake? I couldn't shake what I saw. It was there, always. There are people longing to experience the Lord this Easter season, this Holy Week. Right thinking about God isn't going to transform their hearts. But an experience of Him will. Sign, amazement and wonder, what is this? Explained by the proclamation of the good news that in Jesus, death is destroyed, sin and sickness are no more. Wholeness is a result of the life, death, resurrection, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. That's what makes people's hearts move to believe. So when we're talking about evangelism, especially this season coming up, we're going to move to prayer here in just a minute. May our hearts cry out, and may we be moved deep in our being for those who need not only to hear the message of the good news verbally, but they need to see and experience that good news in a visceral way that will alter, um, alter the rest of their lives and move them to Jesus.